What's new, listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you're in the mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we've got Eric Berlin on the show. He's the author of the Winston Green book series, and that was a, a favorite of mine when I, when I was a kid. It fell into a category of middle grade mystery adventure books that were filled with puzzles and riddles, and I just really, really loved that series. And he's also a puzzle creator whose crosswords and variety puzzles have been used in the New York Times. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yes, I want to, I want to thank you very much for being able to come on here. Again, Winston Dream, I mean, I, I, I loved that when I was a kid. And thank you. It's just, it's just really great to have you on the show now. And, and, and now I want to start off by asking you, just, you know, let's start off with the basics, you know, like, when did, when, did, when did your love of puzzles, you know, start as a kid? And uh, maybe like one of the first, or, or even like know, the first puzzle you, you ever solved. As far as I know, I was just born into the world loving puzzles. Like just, I was hardwired into my brain from the moment I got here. Um, I can't remember a time that puzzles weren't very important to me. Um, the first puzzles that I that I saw that I can remember solving um, were um, my grandmother would buy uh, word search books and word seek you know magazines and we would sit on the sofa together and look for the words and and, and the grid you know I, I was four maybe uh, and even at that age I was rearranging blocks to spell words and this word can spell a different word I mean it's just always been a part of, of who I am uh why is a very good and philosophical question that i have i have do not know what the answer is uh it's just who i am yeah i i, I it's funny that you, that you mentioned the magazines because i remember even when i was a kid i actually also my, my mom used to buy me these puzzle magazines and also like even like the word search magazines and i remember just scribbling through all of those just covering all of the puzzles inside them and well, uh, that's great. I highly approve since the company I work for is uh, Penny Publications. We put out all those crossword and word seek and Sudoku magazines you see in the yes. supermarket news. Not all of them, just the good ones. Um, and uh, I've worked there for a long time. I don't do puzzles for them, but they do like that I'm, you know, that I have a puzzle head and it's come come in handy uh, more than once over the years. And, and, and of course, that that love of puzzles is quite present in the Winston in the Winston Green book series because Winston sure. Winston himself, he is a he's such a puzzle nerd, crazy about puzzles. And even I remember even in the first book, one of the characters asks him like, you know, when was the first puzzle you ever solved? You know, you ever remember solving? And you know, he and he you know he remembers like solving puzzles when he was a kid. Sure. Well, I mean, Winston Green is neat. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a better puzzle solver at the age of 12 than I was at the age of 12. But, you know, basically Winston is is based entirely on on me. Uh, When I set out to write that book, I wanted to write a book that if it had gone back in time and 10 year old or 11 year old me had found it on on a library bookshelf, I would have just gone nutso oh my God, this is the book for me. I wanted to write that book for my younger self and for any other puzzle lovers uh, who are out there and hopefully try to convert a few people into puzzle love uh, as well. Yeah, so I, I want to I dig a little bit more into the writing process for that because I was wondering, like, wondering, like when, when did you really start to figure out, hey, you know, I want to write this book and let's get this down on paper. Uh, I... To say that there was a process is, uh, <laughs> is, is not entirely correct for that first book. I, I went into that first book, which was in fact the first book I ever wrote, not really having any idea what I was doing. Um, I just, I had this idea. I'd, you know, I'd been a writer. I'd written for magazines. I, I, I came out of college thinking I was going to be a playwright. Uh, so I, you know, I knew how to put sentences together, but I'd never written a novel. Um, and my process was just plunging forward until I hit a brick wall and then stopping for some amount of time, anywhere from, from a week to months, and then picking it up again and re- rereading what I had and saying, ah, it, 
not necessarily saying, all right, I know what I need to do to fix this, but in staying instead, if I don't finish this thing, I am going to regret it for the rest of my life. So let's just break through that brick wall some damn how and keep yes. going. Persevere, um, persevere. And uh, it took five years. It took five years to write that book. Wow. Um, I mean, that that's how long. I mean, when I say I hit a brick wall and would stop for months at a time, that happened repeatedly. Um, there was nobody waiting for it. There was, you know, nobody besides my wife even knew I was writing. Wow. Um, so it wasn't like there was a deadline. So five years passed and finally I had something. And uh, after that, I, I got, uh, I got, I got kind of lucky. I was able to find an agent pretty quickly and he was able to sell it to, uh, to uh, an editor pretty quickly. You know, it's been a wonderful ride since then. That's good. So, and it sounds like you're, it sounds like you, uh, you're more of a panther than a plotter. What do you say that? More, the, more what than a plotter? A panther. A pantser. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it, is it, do you know what I'm is? I got it. I got it. See, a seat of the pantser. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I don't tend to outline. Um, I try to, now that I, you know, now that I sort of know what I'm doing, uh, I try to see several scenes ahead. And I generally have an idea of what I want my ending to be, but I don't outline everything like with index cards on a bulletin board or anything like that. So I'm a sort of a combination of a plotter and a pantser. Um, but I do like the, 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 the fly, you know, see your pants feeling of seeing where it's going, being surprised by your own story is, uh, is, is a delightful thing. Um, being surprised and not knowing what to do with that surprise is less exciting, but you know, it's part of the, it goes, comes with the territory. Yeah, the more I've been talking to authors, the more I've heard them say that sometimes they'll go into like what you said, like a, a combination of pantsing and plotting. Yeah. I find it very intriguing. I, I, think, I think that's, I think that's fairly common. I mean, there are writers who scru scrupulously outline everything and they work very hard in their outline and then they finally begin the book which is perfectly what i want to do as an aspiring writer that's what i want that's what i, what I want to do that's, but then it's like oh no i'm locked into this plot and I, now i can't shift onto something else as i explore oh that's it. not true i mean even i'm sure i'm quite sure that even the the most outline driven writer it's not a binding contract uh, you can change it at will. And if you have to stop your writing and go back to the outline and say, all right, I'm changing this. What is that going to affect? And then, you know, if you wind up changing everything from that point on in your outline, so be it. Yeah. Give, us a, a, give us some room to evolve. Of course, of course. Yeah. I, it's your outline. You know, you didn't submit it to a law firm and have it notarized. It's, it's for you. It's a tool. Yes, it's fine. Um, <laughs> and... And so, uh, would you say that there's uh, maybe some similarities between uh, writing a book and then also creating a puzzle hunt? Because that's what you do, also, you create puzzle hunts, entire trails of puzzles. Uh, there is similarities between, um, between not necessarily puzzle hunts per se, but some puzzles and plotting out a story. I, I tend to use Sudoku as uh, as the best analogy between puzzles and and storytelling. Sudoku, when you see a Sudoku grid, you've, you've got a few numbers in there. There is a unique solution. There's only one way for this puzzle to end, and that's with every row and every column having unique digits in it, and every each of the nine areas having unique digits in it. And you have to find your way there. Uh, given the numbers that you have to start with, you're able to write in a few numbers. And you use those numbers and you build on what, you, what you've put in there to put in more numbers. And you use those to build on top of that and get more numbers until finally the entire grid is filled. An author listens to his own story as it's being written. The story says, I want to go in this direction. And the author says, okay. And you build, you're, you're almost working with your, your muse to get the story to where it inevitably 
has to go. Now, a Sudoku, it really does inevitably have to go there. That's the only possible solution. Yeah. A story has to feel inevitable. A story has to feel like this is the only most natural place that it could have gone. Uh, and that's when it's a truly satisfying story. It all kind of comes together and comes to an ending that is extremely pleasing and satisfying to the reader. Yeah, all the pieces click together, the slotting yeah, all, all, all the pieces click together. That's extremely well said. Yes, yes. That's and, good. That's good. And do you have a, a favorite type of puzzle, like word puzzles or maybe like pattern recognition puzzles? I'm definitely more of a I'm definitely more of a word puzzle guy. I like all kinds of puzzles. Make no mistake about it. Um, I enjoy logic puzzles a great deal. Not necessarily Sudoku. I you know that that's kind of passe for me at this point. They're all kind of the same. Um, but Sudoku has inspired um, hundreds of other what I call visual logic puzzles. And some of them are very, very interesting and very difficult. And I'm not very good at them, but I enjoy them. I'm much more of a word puzzle guy. And my favorite kind of puzzles, to answer your question, are not crosswords, although I do solve crosswords every day, but variety crosswords where the words will go not just across and down, they might go backwards, they might go in a circle, they might Ooh. follow a winding path through a labyrinth, they might go out of the grid and then back on some other direction. Uh, there's, there's hundreds of ways of weaving words together and crosswords just barely scratches the surface. Uh, and I, I, I like exploring and seeing other puzzle makers explore different ways of weaving words together. Which I think, if I recall correctly, I believe that sort of like a variety crossword is included in one of the Winston Green books. Oh, I certainly. Think so. I, think, I think so. I mean, those are some of my favorite puzzles to make. I think I've got, uh, I do a flower power that I, I uh, yep. or in I um, a petal shaped puzzle in uh, Puzzler's Mansion. Yep. I, um, that, I yes. think I've got a spiral in there at some point. I mean, I, I love making them. So, of course, I'm going to include them. Yes. I want to, I want to get the kids thinking, all right, not, not every word puzzle needs to be a crossword. Let's see what else is out there. Yes. And what about a mechanical puzzle? Do you have any favorite mechanical puzzles? I admire mechanical puzzles. Uh, I'm not good at solving them. Um, I don't have a, a favorite per se. I, I can't think of it like the name of, of any mechanical puzzles that, 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 I, that I like. Um, but if you show me one, I'll be like, oh, that's really cool. I mean, I, I really admire how a, a puzzle make a puzzle maker working in that dimension in that space has a uh, a brain that operates so utterly unlike mine that I, I'm really uh, uh, admiring of it. Um, so so no, I don't have a favorite because I can't name any of them. But I just I love the whole category, and I I'm always thrilled when I'm holding one in my hands, even if I can't solve it. Even like a, a Rubik's Cube, I feel like that fits into the mechanical puzzle category. But I yeah, feel like that's oh, both sure. a, a math, math puzzle and a mechanical puzzle. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, I, I've spent my time with, with Rubik's Cubes, and, and I almost said Rubik's Cube as the answer to the question just by default. But I've seen other mechanical puzzles that I can't name for you that have thrilled me more than the basic Rubik's Cube. Mm. Um, but uh, mm. yeah, no, I, I love the cube. I think even a, I, I used to own one of these where it's like this, I don't know the specific name for it, but it's like this square, a square device, or, and you tilt it and to, in order to move the ball around and move it through oh, the passages. Oh, the labyrinth. That's called a labyrinth. Labyrinth, yeah. I, yeah. I love that. I used to have that yeah. as a kid. I don't know if that's a puzzle per se. It's more of a, 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 of a dexterity challenge. I mean, they True. even give you dexterity. You, they even give you on the on the board itself the line that you must follow to get the ball from the beginning to the end. I mean, it's a maze. It's certainly puzzle adjacent, but it's not so much solving it as uh, just accomplishing. Guess, just being, I guess, steady, steady with your fingers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And so, do you have any favorite puzzle words from the from from the book series from from the Winston Green series? puzzle he made for the books um do i have favorite puzzles from the books i i like the do you know what a meta puzzle is meta puzzle no i have not a meta puzzle in each of the books uh winston and his friends solve a series of puzzles and they <gasps> typically get 
Uh, when, and, and when, answer, when the answers come together, right? The answers come together okay, yes, into yes. an Uber puzzle. You know, the, the, where it all, where it's all going, where the puzzle is going. That is called in puzzle hunt lingo the meta puzzle. Mm. Um, and I really particularly like the meta puzzle for um, the Puzzler's Mansion uh, that uses the piano keyboard. Ooh, uh, I still remember. I mean, these books were written a while ago, but I still remember. I knew it at the main character of that book was going to be the uh, the, the the classical musician, and uh, that it was going to be very music heavy. So I knew I wanted the meta puzzle to include to have something to do with a piano keyboard. And then once I had knew had the idea of what that exactly was going to be, then I still had to actually come up with the words that would make it all make sense. And sometimes that takes a while, but this came together really neatly. And and I think it's still that kids can still get it, you know, with the nudges that the book provides. I, th- I just, I think it's a, it's a satisfying and elegant puzzle, I think. So I, I like that one. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed that too, that, that aspect. That's just like, wow, all of these answers are just merging together. And I think also a favorite puzzle of mine is uh, the, the, the Ferris wheel puzzle. From the, the potato chip puzzle was the second. I the yeah, that's, I like that puzzle too. I that, you know I one. walk I I I in writing that book, I had to come up with the various locations that the puzzle hunt was going to go to. I'm like, well, where would I want to? Where would I want to go? I mean, the only limit is my imagination and you know just some kind of reality. An amusement park. Oh, cool. Oh my goodness, what if the puzzle was painted on the side of a Ferris wheel? That's a great initial idea. But I remember that took like a week of just walking around my house, pulling my hair out, saying, okay, that's great. But what is the freaking puzzle going to be? I, you know, sometimes it comes easy and sometimes it does not come easy. Where I have the basic idea, you know, the seed of the puzzle and you plant it in soil and you water it, you give it sunshine and just, you know, grow already. Where's my, where's the idea that I'm trying to have? Yes. But I, that, yeah, I like that puzzle too. Yeah, it's that that one, and then I also really love the, uh, I I love the, the puzzle that takes place in the pool in the third book with all of the silver balloons and all, oh, all, yeah. all of the words in those balloons. I love that one too. That was a what was that puzzle? That was the uh, the words. Yeah, yeah, they like t- take the vowels, or like take uh, take the, the consonants. Oh, take the consonants out. Oh, they were consonancies. Is that yes. right? I I I I do remember now. It's consonants. You take them out, and then you mash up letters in one word to another word. Yeah. Until you're left with just two words, I, I believe. Right, 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 right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so that was a nice puzzle. You're right. That's a good puzzle. <laughs> yes. And... Uh, it's a nice visual. Thinking of all those balloons in that lit pool area. Yeah. It was a nice location for for uh, for that. Just even just even location wise, I feel like they even like all three books take place around interesting interesting locations. They take you all, all over these places, and I feel like even in, in the third book, it all is contained in this mansion. Yeah, and that just goes into some you know incredibly like interesting rooms. And and so specifically in, in the Puzzler's Mansion, going going back to the third book, uh, Winston is facing skepticism from one of the characters about his love of puzzles and whether or not he could actually use that as a, like, as a career to make money off of it. And I was wondering, how, reading, reading that passage, I was wondering if that was something you ever faced. Like, did, ever, did anyone kind of beat it all with your love of puzzles and was like, oh, like, you, are you going to use this to make money? Nobody has ever, uh, uh, you know, nobody has ever looked at my love of puzzles with any sort of skepticism, not even me. Uh, you know, the reason I went that way in Puzzler's Mansion is I, these books just can't be. And then they went into this room and solved this puzzle. The book has to be about something. And that book was about letting your passions get away from you versus reining them in and living a balanced life. I mean, that, that's what that book is about. Um, I, uh, you know, but it is hard. It's, it's very hard. It's damn near impossible to make a living doing nothing but making and solving puzzles. I can name, you know, the barest handful of people who are doing that. Uh, But I I, I think I've got 
I fit puzzles very nicely in, into my life. I've, you know, I work at a puzzle magazine company and I've got my side gig, Puzzle Snacks, uh, where I, I, I send puzzles to, uh, to subscribers every week. Um, so, you know, even, even if you don't make a living at it, which is, as I say, impossible, there's any number of creative ways to fit puzzles into your life if you are determined to do so. And Lord knows I was determined to do so. Yes. And so you've also, you, so you've created uh, many puzzle hunts, including the book space, the 2022 MIT mystery hunt. Yep. And I was wondering, like, do you want to, do you want to give a bit of insight as to what it's like to create these hunts? Uh, I mean, boy, uh, I mean, I've created hunts for kids uh, at museums. Uh, where it's just me making all the puzzles, maybe working with an artist to make them prettier since I have no skill at that whatsoever. And then working with a couple of people to, to actually organize the event. We'll get some volunteers in so you know, the, the, the kids can run up and tell their answer to somebody. Um, and I've done hunts where it's just basically handing out a packet of, pa packet of puzzles to kids in a, in a classroom and letting them team up and, and solve it. Uh, the mystery hunt, the MIT mystery hunt, is so far away from that that it's barely the same thing as making a puzzle hunt. I mean, the puzzle hunts that I have made in the past were, as I say, just me making some puzzles, giving them to a couple of test solvers. Here, for MIT, we put together, and by we, I mean a team of 50 to 60 people. Uh, we had committees. We had... Sub-captain, I was the captain of the team, but we had all kinds of other people taking on different roles of responsibility, all with an eye towards making what ultimately turned out to be close to 200 puzzles. 200, wow. 200 puzzles over the course of the year. And just to, I mean, for your, for your listeners that don't know what the, what the mystery hunt is, you know, your standard puzzle, you either already know how to solve it, for example, a crossword. You don't need to be told how to solve a crossword. You have words that go across, you got words that go down. There's, there's no instructions on a crossword because it's, it's you know, it's, you don't need it. Um, none or almost none of the puzzles in the mystery hunt have instructions. You need to figure out what to do. Uh, we just present you with a whole lot of information, a whole lot of cartoons and a whole lot of clues that make no sense at all and you've got to figure out how the cartoons and the clues match up together or you have to figure out is this puzzle really in korean or is something else going on here uh, it, it, they are to say they are difficult puzzles i i just can't even i can't even i i can't even figure out how to uh, explain it to a uh, 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 you know a complete layperson they are puzzles that if you just kind of sort of like puzzles a little bit, you will look at these and say, these are impossible. Nobody on earth can solve these puzzles. Wow. But you've got the hardest core puzzle people in the world, a couple of, you know, several thousand of them all around the world getting in teams of between 10 and 100 people. And they attack these puzzles with a passion. And over the course of about 48 hours, they will solve every single one of them. That's amazing. It's it's astonishing, absolutely astonishing. Um, and we worked very hard to put that event together. I mean, even though the puzzles are meant to be very hard, they also need to be fair. Um, and making them fair is uh, an arduous task because you want them to, you know, you want you don't want them to be gettable right away. You want them to have to think. You want them to have that very difficult aha moment. Um, so we test solve and we test solve and we test solve. Uh, you were asking for parallels between writing and puzzles. Here is another one uh, where, you know, you write the, the, the draft of your story. Are you done? No, you have to give it to test readers. You have to get the reaction. Is, is how the story is working in your head, is that what's actually on the paper? You don't know until somebody else reads it. And so it is with puzzles, particularly of the mystery hunt uh, variety, where just because you think there's a path 
a hard to see path, but a path nonetheless from the start to having the aha to the answer, you give it to a team of test solvers and they sit down with it. And after 45 minutes, they have gotten nowhere. That's when you say, ah, crap, I gotta, all right, I gotta rethink this whole thing. Um, and that happened to me several times <laughs> over the course of the year. Yeah. You have to make revisions and all that. Yeah, you have to go, to go back and try again. Um, and, uh, and then the payoff is that you have a puzzle that really works and hits exactly the right notes that you intended it to hit. And, uh, you know, you, you get your applause at the end of the year. Uh, it was a very challenging year. Um, I mean, getting, it all, getting all the puzzles together, there was tons of art. Um, so, you know, or, organizing. And when I said several thousand people solving it, that was not an exaggeration. There were thousands of people solving it on teams and we had to get that organized. It is quite a task. And uh, it ate up a year real good. Um, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. I've been looking forward to trying to create a hunt, uh, a mystery hunt for 20 yeah, years or gratifying after all the efforts. Absolutely. And I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I will stick to smaller personal projects. Or if my team wins the mystery hunt again, I will contribute some puzzles, but I will not be uh, organizing it from, from start to finish. <laughs> that sounds thing. It was thrilling. And uh, are there any special uh, tricks you fall back on to whip up your puzzles? Tricks? Yeah, like yeah, like maybe ch tricks. Any, any, any patterns, routes you visualize to if you if you have to create puzzles? Not really, I mean, it's not. There are no tricks. You 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 learn from experience what's going to work and not work in in getting the puzzle together. Uh, and then you give it to test solvers and you see what's, what, what, what's really going on. And then you make revisions and maybe test it again. There's no trick to it. It's just, that's how you do it. <laughs> what about no... even like music? Do you, do you ever listen to music when you make puzzles? Or, oh, do, you, sure. or do you do it in silence? I'm a, no, no, no. I, it depends on the puzzle, first of all. Uh, I mean, if I'm grinding through something where I just have to, I need a bunch of words... Uh, and I'm looking through online word finders and on my online tools, trying to find various uh, words. I'm not really using my brain that much. I'll listen to jazz. I'll listen to classical. Um, if I'm cluing something and I need to focus on the best clues, um, then I'll, I, I will probably do that in, in silence. So it depends on, on the task at hand. And as you were growing up, uh, who, do you, who did you idolize? Who did I idolize growing up? That's yes. a very good question. Well, a big moment for me um, as a kid was seeing Games Magazine on the on a on an airport newsstand. Uh, we were we went to an airport to pick up my father from a business trip, and there was a newsstand, and there was this magazine there called just Games, and there was a puzzle right on the front cover. I'm like, ah. Uh, you know, I, I, I said before that I wanted to write the Winston Breen books for, you know, Puzzle Crazy Me. This magazine was made for Puzzle Crazy Me. Um, and I bought that issue and I was immediately subscribed and it became a near obsession with me. And who did I idolize? I idolized those, the puzzle makers in, uh, in that magazine. Uh, Will Shorts was the editor back then. Um, Mike Shank, uh, the puzzle maker, Will Shorts is now the editor of the New York Times crossword. Mike Shank is now the editor of the Wall Street Journal crossword. Oh, wow. they're, they're both friends. Uh, years later, I would go and work for Games Magazine. So I got to, you know, be, be utterly immersed in, in puzzle land uh, via that route. Um, Walter Wick, the, the very creative um, uh, puzzle-y photographer who would go on to make the, uh, the I Spy series of children's books. Um, he he did some magnificent work for Games Magazine in, in its early days. Um, and then for writing, I got into Stephen King from a very young age. And he was a very important writer for me. Uh, and um, I don't know that I idolized uh, Donald Sobel and the Encyclopedia Brown books, but that was also a very important uh, set of books for me, the, the Solve Your Own Mysteries of Encyclopedia Brown. 
Yeah, that, 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 all, that all sounds appropriate. That's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a complicated person. But yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, going back to the Winston Vane books, do you think that you'll ever return to writing them again? Like writing another one? Or do you think that's it? Uh, I'm done with Winston, I think. I, you know, the last book was now many years old. And I think it'd be just weird to try to get back to it. And the third book ends on a nice note. It just sort of, it feels like a trilogy. And uh, I would like to write another book with puzzles in it. Um, I don't know what it's going to be. I, I, I don't have no plans for it right now. I attempted to write several books that didn't have puzzles in them. Um, and they all remain unsold. One of the major lessons I learned from being a published writer is uh, just because you got your foot in the door does not mean that everything you write is going to sell from there on in. It's a very difficult business. Uh, So I've got a few unpublished books. Some of them are not very good. One of them I think is darn good and I still want to sell it. I might get, now that the mystery hunt is over, uh, I may get back to that. Can you give a, can you give a peek as to what it what it is like what genre it is? You know what I, I it it's an adventure novel. Uh, let's uh, let's leave it at that. I don't want to get too much into it. Okay. And do you, what was the first uh, job you ever had? The first job I ever had. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, the first real job I ever had was McDonald's. Uh, Sixteen years old. I remember being like 12 and deciding I was going to get a job. And I just walked up and down the business center of my town and went into businesses. And like a, a very nice couple that owned a, a shoe store or a not, a, a, not even a shoe store, a shoe fix-it store. Like they sold shoe polish and things like that. They gave me like five bucks a week to clean. They were very, very generous, but it wasn't a real job. But I worked at McDonald's. I did the cashier. I did the fries. I the, the cooking that was just for a summer or a few months um i you know i grew up on long island uh best page long island and um near my house was the busy uh, hempstead turnpike you know the, the a lot of businesses there the, the movie theaters and department stores and i just worked up and down that and you know for miles up one way and down the other i worked in the supermarket i worked in the department store I had like I had like twelve jobs in three years. Busy B. and uh, could you name uh, a book that's on the top of your TBR pile? Uh, my TBR pile. My I've got so many books. Uh, my TBR pile. Um, I can't think of I can't think of one. I have not yet recovered from the mystery hunt. I basically did not read last year. Okay, I wow. just I, I had no time for that at all, uh, and uh, I'm just slowly getting back into it. Right now, I'm reading something that has been on my TBR pile for a long time, and that is The Great Gatsby. I hadn't gotten Ooh. back to that. I read that in like high school, and not since. And that's one of those books where I feel like I should be a little more well versed in this book. So I've been reading that now. I'm almost done with it, and I have no idea what I'm what I'm going to to read next. I know that uh, Tom Perota. Uh, who's one of my favorite authors, has a book that's either out now or about to be out, a sequel to um, Election, uh, the, the mm. book that went into the Reese Witherspoon movie. Yes. Um, and uh, if that's out, I'm going to try to get a hold of it because he's one of my favorites and it's always a, a big deal when he uh, puts out a new book. Yes, yes. And, and, and then what about a word old? Can you tell us what, uh, what, uh, what, the, t- what the toughest word was that you've ever encountered in word old? My toughest what? what? The toughest word you've ever had to try to solve in Wordle. Something that really stumped in, you. Oh, in, in Wordle? Yes, in Wordle. I, 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 uh, I don't tend to get stumped by Wordle. <laughs> I, oh, really? uh, <laughs> I can't think of an answer to that question. And I mean, I just don't have a good answer to that question, I'm afraid. In your average puzzle, if you can't get a word from one direction, there should be a way to get it from the other direction. Like in a hard crossword, if you don't know one of the across entries, then you're just going to have to peck away at the downs until you get enough letters um, to, uh, to finally get that across one. That happens all the time. So often uh, that 
I, I don't have a good example. It just, it happens, you know, at every tough, tough crossword I, I try, that's going to happen somewhere. I can't think of a good specific example of that. And it's interesting. So I guess, yeah, yeah. It's just interesting because I feel like there are some words where it's like, oh my gosh, this took a while to solve. And I always feel like it's the words, of, the words that are, you know, that are rarely used. And I feel like just for me personally, those are the words why really stumble over and Wordle? Well, and I, I think it was just a couple of days ago, the answer to Wordle was uh, squad, S-Q-U-A-D. Yes, yes. And that's not a hard word. But not, it wasn't that hard, but, you know, still. The way I happened to go about it, um, my first two guesses eliminated every possibility except for squad. And the more I stared and the more I couldn't even think of another guess to make, the more I realized there, there's probably only one word left. What is it? And it took me a long time to finally figure it out. So again, there's nothing difficult about squad. And if I had guessed different words, I probably would have had an easier time of it. Um, but that I, I wound up accidentally puzzling myself way beyond what Wordle intended just because of, of my guess order. Yeah, typically for Wordle, I like to use a stare, S-T-A-R-E, as my first word, because I feel like mm-hmm. that gets into S-T-R, like A-E. They're all pretty commonly used letters, just knocks them out right away. And I was wondering, do you have any, do you have any words that you like to use as your first words? I tend to use eight, E-I-G-H-T. Get a couple of vowels in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's not, the best word I have come to understand. Uh, I think the, one of the best words is is uh, supposedly crane, C-R-A-N-E. I have used that as well in the past. Not, not as much as there. I've also sometimes used opium because it knocks out the O-I-U. Oh, three, opium. Three, three vowels yeah. right away. Yeah. Those are less common, uh, uh, less commonly used vowels, but uh, to knock out three of them in one go is very nice. Yeah. yeah. And, and then mouse. I have used mouse in the past as well. Also, three vowels and S. It's really astonishing that, I mean, first of all, I mean, it's funny that you just assume I do Wordle every day because, of course, I do Wordle every day. Uh, it's, I've, I haven't seen something like this since uh, Sudoku, where just it just sweeps the country in a matter of... People are so obsessed with it so quickly. And it just, I think, so it, was, it just started back in November, if I recall correctly. Something like that, yeah. And then uh, just a few months, it's like, wow, everyone is playing this. I'm very pleased for the guy who made it. You know, he, he, he was able to sell to the, to the New York Times for, for seven figures. Uh, and his life was just completely turned around. This little, little doodad that he made for his girlfriend. I know. And, and it's become so popular. It's also spawning the, 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 Wordle, the Wordle knockoffs. And... Yeah. I, and I play some of those, too. My favorite one is uh, called Squirtle. Um, Squirtle. What, what's that one? I don't think I've tried that one yet. Squirtle, you are guessing uh, six words in a go, and they form a kind of a grid, a five by five grid. Hmm. Um, and uh, it's a little bit confusing to behold. It doesn't have the best user interface, uh, but once you understand what the how the feedback works, um, it's a little more puzzly than uh, flat out. Uh, Wordle and and I enjoy uh, I enjoy that one. Yeah, it, yeah. Again, like the trend, it really is fascinating to watch how the trend grows. I wonder, like, how, how I do wonder, like, how much longer do you think this uh, this trend will last? Do you do you feel like people might get tired of Wordle in the near future? Yeah, probably. I, I I think it I think it is a fad, and I do think it's going to uh, fade away um, as something that people talk about. Endlessly. Um, it'll also, because the, 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 the only so many five-letter words out there. That is it does have a, a limit. Yeah, but people. Yeah, people are going to move on to other things. Uh, but hopefully, this will. You know, hopefully, this roped in a few more people into Puzzle Land, and oh, yeah. uh, those people will look around to see. All right, I'm done with Wordle. What else is out there? Yes, definitely. I was wondering, could you expand your thoughts on everything, everywhere, all at once? Because I saw on Twitter. In fact, you tweeted everything everywhere all at once. It's certainly whatever the heck it is. And then you commented, I liked it, mostly. Uh, I I really did like that movie. 
be uh, everything everywhere all at once. Um, I think it, well, I mean, how much do you know about this movie? I know it's sci-fi. It goes into the multiverse. As apparently I've heard people love it. It's heartfelt. It's weird. Kind of campy. It is not. It's not going to be to everybody's taste. I hadn't even heard of it as being sci-fi, and I'm not sure that it is oh, really? sci-fi. Hmm. Uh, I just, I just I mean, assume yes, it's sci-fi because like it goes into the multiverse, like you know, it, multiple, it goes into the multiverse. It's not the Marvel multiverse. It's no. got its own weird-ass take on the multiverse. I don't think it's science fiction. I don't think it's a comedy. I don't think it's a drama. It is, and it is absurd. It's absurdism. There, you know, there, there was the theater of the absurd where just anything goes and, and it's got its own crazy rule set. Uh, and that is this movie. It, it has its own thing going on. It is so stuffed with ideas and so stuffed with crazy ass things that happen um, that, that it, it's, it's almost unclassifiable. Uh, it is very funny in, in places. The acting is just wonderful. That 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 all the actors were were given these this buffet of weirdness by the directors, and they just went all in on it, and it's wonderful to behold. Uh, the movie could have been half an hour shorter, and I think I would have liked it even more. Uh, when I say that they stuffed it stuffed with ideas, I mean they they put every idea they had into this movie and i think they probably could have cut a few and it wouldn't have been missed i don't want to spoil anything by obviously yeah by saying what i'm talking about but but the 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 various universes some of them are unnecessary <laughs> i mean they're funny and they're silly and they're cute but you know i i it, it's okay if they hadn't have been there in my opinion um, yeah. But ultimately, it's, it's a, I think it's a very good movie, but it's not going to be to everybody's taste by any means. Yeah, it's on the top of my watch list right now. And I've even seen it, even on, uh, on Letterboxd, it's ranked number one at the moment, which is Well, amazing. that's great. I, I'm glad that people are open to it because uh, I, you know, I can easily see, easily see people leaving that movie saying, what the hell was that? <laughs> and not in, a, not in a good way. Uh, it, it's a it's an acquired taste. You got you have to be open to its particular kind of weirdness. Uh, if you're ready for that, then you'll enjoy it. If you if you think it's going to be just a normal movie, you're you're going to be in trouble. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind while I'm watching it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, do you have a favorite book adaptation? A favorite book adaptation. Yes. Hmm. Let me think about that. Like well, a movie, like a TV show. I mean, my, my, the first thing that comes to mind is The Godfather, the ultimate movie adaptation. True, true. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. You know, it's, it's, it's a pretty low-hanging fruit for favorite movies. <clears throat> and of course, that is a novel adaptation. And it's magnificent. Um, let me think. What else? I was fond of the... I, I like Nick Hornby. Nick Hornby is another uh, author that I like very much. High Fidelity and About a Boy. And uh, I liked the movie adaptation of About a Boy. I think Hugh Grant um, played that character, that man-child um, that, that, that is the center of, of About a Boy uh, really, really well. He was very believable. Both the, both the um, About a Boy is about a, uh, a, a 40-something dude who has no job because he needs no job because he is just independently wealthy. Um, and he just kind of mucks about his life and goes about his way. And he doesn't really form any attachments to anybody or he doesn't really care to, he's no interest in getting married or having a girlfriend or anything like that. He's just living his, his ideal seeming life. And he gets sort of thrown into an accidental friendship with a, uh, a 12 year old kid through a set of circumstances I'm not even going to attempt to explain. And they have this friendship and they, he becomes a, a sort of an accidental father figure slash friendship to this 12-year-old boy. And um, it's a wonderful book. Uh, the book is better than the movie. Make, make no mistake. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't read the book, but, I've, but I, I watched the movie when I was a kid and I was always uh, drawn to it. 
Um, but the 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 casting and the acting in, in About a Boy uh, always makes me smile. So that's a very good adaptation. Yes, yeah. it's funny. Like Nicholas Holt is in that too, and he was such a little kid, and now he's all grown up. Yes, yes, yes. Every time I see him, I'm like, that's that kid. <laughs> Although, I mean, just to take it full circle, in um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, the male lead um, was the child actor from The Goonies and Indiana Jones. Yes. Temple. I know. I, I heard about time. that. Uh, and he is wonderful. He's absolutely wonderful in this movie. Uh, I mean, he's been involved in, in show business all this time. He's been a fight coordinator and... Uh, you know, various behind the scenes roles, but this is his first time in front of the camera in decades. And uh, he's, he's a wonderful actor. Very, he's very touching. I know, I, I, I've been hearing, hearing a lot of love for him, for his performance as well, and I'm quite happy for him. Yeah, me too. It's hard not to be. He's a very genuine fellow, it, it seems. It comes through on the screen. Yes. And what about your least favorite book adaptation? Uh, my least favorite book adaptation. What I mean, I know that coming up, you're going to ask me for the good word or whatever it was I had planned out. What is that? What you called it? The good word. Good word. Yes, the recommendation. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to jump to that because I had planned out what I wanted to to say for that. Uh, one of my favorite authors um, is a uh, um, the mystery writer Donald Westlake. Uh, and Donald Westlake had a number, I mean, he was a machine when it came to, to turning out books. I mean, he would just write several a year. He was an astonishing, astonishingly prolific author. And one of his pseudonyms was uh, Richard Stark. Richard Stark wrote a series of novels about um, a, a, a violent anti-hero heister, bank robber, thief named Parker. No first name, or maybe it's no last name, just Parker. And he would just, he would get wind of, there's all this money here, I'm going to get that money. And he puts together a string of, of uh, associates, and they form a plan, and they deal with the inevitable double crosses, and they're very spare, not one word more than is necessary novels um just filled with with twists and 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 it's just utterly gripping plotting uh he taught me an awful lot about about writing uh westlake and particularly stark i have no patience anymore for overly descriptive overly flowery writing uh richard stark just pulled all that away and they have attempted to adapt the parker books several times and they have failed miserably every time yeah there was one there was one with uh, jason Statham and jennifer lopez i remember that yes oh god no it's just not and that was an adaptation of one of my favorite of the parker books flash fire flash fire is a magnificent crime novel and they i your podcast may not be R-rated, so I will not use the first word that comes to mind on how badly they messed it up. Uh, and they're going for it again. Well, I mean, that movie, I, I remember reading the summary uh, of it, where it was suddenly where Parker will only rob from people who deserve it. I'm like, oh, God. They keep trying to turn him into a good guy. He's not a good guy. He is a bad guy. The word anti-hero is a thing. It's yeah. a thing that some people are. Loki, Just like Loki in, in MCU. Yes, let him be an anti-hero. And they just won't do it. They're trying again now uh, for a series. I think it's a series on Amazon that mm -hmm. they've just started making with Robert Downey Jr. as Parker. Oh, really? Oh, really? I, I haven't heard of this. Wow. I will watch it or I'll give it a shot, but I am skeptical beyond belief. I, I just, they have not gotten it right yet. They've tried several times. Adi Jay as Parker, it's interesting because I'm always familiar with him as like Tony Stark or even as Sherlock Holmes. Because I just watched uh, the Sherlock Holmes movie with Adi Jay a few days ago. And like he, he always has a kind of like a, you know, that, that uh, you know, deadpan, kind of a snarky attitude. 
And I'm wondering, oh, yeah, so but- it's going to be like that at Faka, maybe? And, and, but no, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is a very good actor and uh, I, he can do this if they do it right. I just don't know if they're going to do it right. Yes, he's absolutely going to have to turn off the snark and turn off the, the winking at the audience that he sometimes does. But uh, I'm, but aware, he, I'm aware he, he, he can turn that down for some of his performances. Yeah. Um, whether they choose to do that or not, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. It's funny that you're, you're saying just let Parker be an anti-hero. I remember thinking the, the exact same thing when I was watching this uh, movie adaptation of the Artemis Fowl series, because in the book series, Artemis, he's basically like a bad guy. He mm-hmm. is. That's a uh, very good character. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm watching this movie from Disney. And I was just like, oh my God, you sanitized him. You've made him, you turned him into a, like a Harry Potter-esque hero. Right. And that's not what he's supposed to be. He is like yeah. a criminal mastermind, a 12-year-old right. criminal. Those books were not to my taste, uh, so I didn't read. Uh, I, I think I, I'm not even sure I finished the first one, but I got certainly got a sense of that character. And when I saw that movie trailer, I'm like, oh, God, this is, why even bother doing it if you're not going to do it? Why yeah. bother? It's just because the name, that's the only thing that's left is the name. That movie was a bit abysmal. I hope it gets rebooted. Like, maybe as a TV show and it can stay faithful to the character. But don't know. Uh. Now, now let's ask you about your favorite books, movies, and TV shows. So let's start off with books first, your favorite books. Uh, well, I mean, we already touched on, on them. I mean, I've already mentioned three yes. of my favorite authors, four of my favorite yeah. authors. Westlake. Uh, we have uh, Nick Hornby, Stephen King. Yes. Uh, uh, who else? Uh, uh, well, one of my favorite books. I'm I'm staring at my bookshelf here, so I'm like, and uh, I'm looking at um, a visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. Uh, that's one of my that's one of my most favorite books. Encyclopedia um, Brown. Would you would you include that? What the Encyclopedia Brown books you you mentioned them earlier. Those are not my favorite. Those those have not aged terribly well. They were very important to me as a as a maturing kid finding his way in Puzzle Land and as a writer. They were very they were very important to me books, but I I recognize that they're not all that great. Mm-hmm. And some of the some of the mysteries are not great either. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I admire them. They were important to me, but. You know, from a critical point of view, I recognize they're not, they're not great books. Uh, I can make that distinction. Um, in terms of children's books, is that, if that's what you're asking about, um, gosh, I haven't even read children's books in a really long time. I don't know what's out there. Um, I remember reading um, Peter Brown's The Wild Robot and enjoying that very much. I don't know if that's a favorite favorite, but that, that's something I read not that long ago that I enjoyed. All right, and what about uh, favorite movies? Uh, I mean, I've got tons of favorite movies. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, where do you begin on on movies? I'm a big fan of of, of Pixar and Pixar's uh, brand of, of storytelling. Yes, yes. Uh, the the you know the whole Toy Story thing is. I mean, it's 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 mainstream popular art. But it's also a masterpiece. I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful to look at. And the story is so compelling. It really is. Uh, and Toy Story 3 in particular, um, the whole um, the whole great escape from, you know, the whole prison escape thing. It was so magnificently done. I mean, th- those are, I'll watch those movies again and again and again. Uh, unashamedly. I mean, it's I don't care if they're children's movies or not. They're wonderful movies. Uh, I, I haven't seen I, I, I've seen the Toy Story movie recently the first one but I haven't seen the sequels in a while but I feel like I, feel well, like I need to sit down and watch them again and, and yeah they're, they're great my son is very into uh, into Pixar and uh, so there's almost always a Pixar movie on my television screen he, he's, his favorite one is Ratatouille uh, oh that's, that's a good one I've, I actually rewatched that recently after yeah. years and years of having not seen it. And I've got Disney uh, Plus, so it's just like, just billion put times. on Disney I'm, Plus. Yeah. I'm very thankful that, that the movie that he likes most happens to be a really good movie, because <laughs> I've seen that one more times than I can possibly count. But it's a magnificent movie. It's so well done. Yes. 
And from a, from a writing point of view, from a storytelling point of view, that movie does some really interesting things. Uh, it needs to sell to you the idea that a person can be controlled by tugging on their hair, which makes no sense at all. But they sell it incredibly effectively. It's outrageous. They make something work that has no right working. And it's a, I, I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how they did that. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, there's a lot there to admire. No question about it. And the thing is that the movie already focuses on Remy being the main character. Like it's focusing on a rat. And so you add that to the fact that then he's controlling the greenie with the hair. Yeah. There's a lot that shouldn't work, but it all does work beautifully. Yeah, Pixar. I feel, I feel like for when it comes to Pixar, I feel like my favorite my, my favorite is The Incredible. It's just probably my favorite Pixar movie. Well, that's a damn good one. No question. Even just not, not even just a Pixar movie, but also as both a general movie and as a superhero movie. I feel like it, it accomplishes all of that well, quite well. Absolutely. Oh, it's a great superhero movie. It's way better than most of the Marvels and, and possibly all of the DCs. I'm not a big DC fan. They're also dark and just serious. Like, have some fun. Zack Snyder being on Tower. Uh, get me started. Uh, but Incredibles is, is a wonderful superhero movie. And even uh, Turning Red, I enjoyed that a lot. And so far, like, it's might be like a, a top 10 movie of 2022 for me. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, certainly. I, I, I don't know where it will fit in my mental best best list uh, yet, um, but I sure did like it, and there was a lot of funny stuff in there. I didn't think it was uh, top-tier Pixar, but even B-level Pixar is better than almost anything else out there. Oh, yeah, definitely, I mean, definitely. When, when they don't hit every mark, it's still amazing. Yes. And what about uh, uh, moving away from Pixar? Do you have any other favorite movies? I mean, I've got hundreds of favorite movies. Are you kidding? You I mean, just I, spout a few of them off. I, I'm I, I like horror movies. I like scary movies. Uh, so I like the movie uh, Carrie comes to mind. I'm saying these randomly. It's not like Carrie is my favorite movie. Yeah, just but I do like it very very much. Right, listen to, off. Listen off. You know, and Get Out and Silence of the Lambs. I like good scary movies. Uh, yeah. Aliens, although that's more of an action movie than a, than a horror movie. Uh, we talked about The Godfather. Um, the Godfather is one of my favorites. 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men may well be my favorite movie. Yes, yes. That's, that's, that's probably at the top of the list. I, I can't come across that movie without just watching it from that point on. It's so well-structured. And it's so well made. All everything takes place in one room, um, and all the actors are so amazing. The way they bounce off each other. I'll, I'll watch that movie a hundred times. I, I already have watched it a hundred times. So yeah, if I, I think we found the answer to the question. I think my favorite movie is Twelve Angry Men. All right, that's good. That's good. And and then what about uh, TV shows? Your favorite TV shows? Um, I'm a big Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul fan. I'm very excited that uh, the, the last season is about to start for Better Call Saul. I think they're magnificently made shows. Just every frame is a, is a painting. I mean, they, 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 they do such amazing work, both in front of and behind the cameras. I think it was just, just announced that uh, I think Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul are going to return for the final season of Better Call Saul. Why are you saying this to me? I can't believe you just said that to me. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you know I what just heard spoiler news. alert means? I just heard on the news. I, I thought it was like in public, public news. I'm sorry. All right. Not that that's a gigantic surprise. I I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to spoil it. I just thought it was, I thought it was public news. I thought maybe he knew. I did not know that. All right. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I like those shows very much. And, uh, yeah, I guess, I'm not sure if there's a favorite. Oh, uh, Eric, uh, your, your microphone. Oh, did I go away? Hello? 
Oh yeah, your, your voice quieted for a moment. But oh, I sorry. You. I, I was contemplating. I was looking off towards the ceiling and <laughs> contemplating my favorite television shows. Uh, so uh, I got I got contemplative. Um, so anyway, yeah, let's just go with that. Breaking Bad and, and uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah. I realize these are like you know shows that everybody has heard of. I'm not picking like an obscure show, you know, to sh- prove my my artiness, but. That's not who I am. I... <laughs> and yeah, again, I'm spo- again. I'm sorry for kind of spoiling that. I, I, I didn't. I didn't realize I was a spoiler at first. That's okay, but... it's all right. Okay, that's not a major thing. I, as I say, uh, it's not a surprise to me that they'll they'll come back. The the show's timeline is catching up to the beginning of Breaking Bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I I did not know that. It's okay. I didn't mean to jump down your throat. I'm sorry. Uh, and then I was wondering, do you have any, any, any favorite sequels going specifically down that movie route? Well, we already covered Toy Story. I mean, uh, uh, Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3 both uh, enhanced and expanded on uh, the first movie yeah. just brilliantly. Uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, I, I, it's staggering to me that they made these movies that certainly the 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 second one and the third one, they're essentially about death. Yes. They're, about, they're about death and they're about um, what do you do when you're, you know, when you, when your purpose is, is stripped away from you. Uh, these are very dark themes, uh, but they, they do them so beautifully. So those are, those are terrific sequels. Especially if, you know, obviously the, the problem with sequels is that they can suffer from sequelitis and just feel like they're tired. You know, yeah. necessary. For example, Toy Story Four, which was not a good movie at all. <laughs> Interesting. I haven't seen that in a while either, but I remember enjoying that when I saw it in theaters. I, I don't. There's never been a Pixar movie that I haven't enjoyed, um, but Toy Story Four can't measure up at all to the trilogy that came before it, and it would have been just as fine if they just hadn't made it at all. I mean, for they they violated in Toy Story Four what I feel was the the chief rule animating or energizing uh, the previous three stories, which is Woody belongs to somebody. Woody belongs to 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 Andy, and that is the most important thing in the world. And then later on, Woody belongs to the girl whose name. Uh, Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie. Woody belongs to Bonnie. He needs to belong to somebody. And in Toy Story Four, mm-hmm. eh, he doesn't really have to belong to anybody. That's it. All right, mm, I'm off now. You got to be kidding me! That's the rule. That's the rule. It, re- it actually, I mean, it made me not angry, but I was just, it, I was in disbelief that they thought that was a good idea. Interesting. The way, the- I guess the way, the way I interpreted it was that because he had been, spent, been spending so much time belonging to both Andy and Bonnie, so now this was his time to be free, take a break, like basically going into retirement. I get it. I get it. But I felt it was a violation of what they had set up. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess breaking, yeah, breaking, breaking the rules, kind of going away from what you feel like is true for what you right. story. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't, like, I didn't like that very much. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can understand that. And, and now, and now, let's uh, have you give you a good word, which you kind of already gave earlier. I already gave the good word because you asked a question that overlapped my good word. Yeah. The, uh, the bad, yeah, uh, the bad movie adaptations, and that's that's the Parker books. Uh, I highly recommend the Parker books. Um, it begins with a book called uh, Payback, which they turned into a not very good movie with Mel Gibson. Oh no no no! I think the first one is the hunter. There's a bunch mm. of them. There's like there's like thirty of them or, or something like that. Uh, many of them are at a, are at a print. Um, we discovered these books in the library years and years and years ago, and uh, we wound up spending a lot of money buying them off of eBay and, and whatnot. Uh, but you can find them in used bookstores. You can find them on Amazon. They are some of the best crime novels ever written. Um, and uh, if you don't want to start with the really, really early ones, Flashfire is a superb one to begin with. Mm. They don't need read in any particular order, although they do make references to 
earlier books, but you know, it's not in a spoilery sort of way. So Flash Fire is a good one to start with. Hmm. All right. I feel like I, I feel like that's something I have to add to my TBR pile, just because I'm always in a mood for crime thrillers. So yeah. Well, these are good ones. All right. All and right. Then, and then don't watch the movie. <laughs> all right. That's good. Yes. And yeah, so and so now we're nearing the end of the interview. So all right. Uh, I, again, I want to thank you for coming on here. And now all you have to do is uh, plug your socials, you know, where can people find you online? Okay. Uh, well, my socials, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Eric Berlin. Uh, on Twitter, I am uh, Puzzler Eric. Um, and uh, my website is ericberlin.com. I've got a lot of puzzles there that you can uh, look at, both easy ones and hard ones. And if you uh, want... Uh, to see the kind of puzzles I do for my subscribers, that's at puzzle puzzlesnacks.com. There's a free puzzle on, on the homepage, and I will send puzzles to you every single week if uh, you enjoy what you see there. Yes, and listeners, especially follow Eric if you're into puzzles because he's always tweeting, tweeting word puzzles from his account. I used to do it every day, uh, but the I, I can't do it every day. <laughs> it yeah, it, 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 I can understand where it gets to be like puddle overload. Yeah, right. I, you know, so I, I tried. I used to try to do every day, be inspired by the Merriam-Webster word of the day, and try to make a puzzle based on that word. And just sometimes, you know, it would take me a long time to come up with something, and I'm like, I got to start my day. Come on, I, I got to do other things. I, I, I can't spend. I can't spend all day. So I stopped. <gasps> Yes. And again, again, Eric. I want Eric. I want to thank you for coming on here. I really enjoyed this. Again, having pleasure. having right loved your Winston Green books. All right. Uh, take care. Thanks again. And uh, bye bye. And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong. <laughs>